Hello everyone, welcome to the Hillfields Church Podcast where we talk about Jesus, how much we love him and what he's doing in our church. Here's this week's message. We pray it blesses you, but most importantly, that it changes you. Check it out. So if I say, can I get a... No, no. That would be the normal reaction. But can I have... If I say, can I get a... Can you say witness? Yeah? And you can do it in Kirk Franklin's voice if you want to. Okay. So, can I get a... Okay. Can I get a... Okay, you've got to be on it, because I know I'm going to do it at some point, and you're going to be like, the tumbleweed's going to come at me, all right? Don't let me down. Okay, that's the title of today's message. If you've uh, got your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 5. I'm going to go from 36. Um, we're going to move around Scripture at the beginning a little bit. Amen. Uh, Mark 5:36. Okay. And then kind of get ready to go in Luke 19 afterwards um, from verse 1 that is. So those two we're going to go from one to the other. 36. Okay. Mark 5:36, Luke 19 from verse 1. Okay. So uh, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, "Do not be afraid, only believe." And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler of of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And he came in and he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? This child is not dead, but but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took, took the father, the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. Can I get a? Okay. Do you know what? A couple of you can throw in a whoop-whoop if you want, because I think that might work. So try it. So is there any whoop-whoops here? Okay. You're the whoop-whoops. Okay. Right. Can I get a? Witness, people. Everyone else is witness. Those three people are the whoop whoop. Come on. Can I get a? Okay, that's going to work. Great. Okay. You have your roles, three of you. Okay. (laughs) Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Let's go. Okay, hopefully you're there. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich and he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd. For he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up on, into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going past that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, came down, received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Can I get a... Okay, here we go. Good, good. Acts chapter 9, go there. Go to Acts chapter 9. This is where we're going to stay in this passage from 32. You all right there? Need some water to, to up the back as well? Verse 32, Acts chapter 9, verse 32. 
Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. Now Lydda is also known as Lod, and Lod, um, or Lydda, is translated to mean travail, to labor with pain and suffering. Okay? Verse 33. Then he found a certain man um, named um, Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise, make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon, um, Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. At Joppa, or Joffa, we're going to say Joffa because that's what you're supposed to say. Joffa means beautiful. There was a certain disciple named Tabitha. Now, Tabitha, um, it says, which is translated to Dorcas, which translates to gazelle, which is also a symbol of beauty and of life. This woman was full of good works, charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, the, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there. Okay, so there's a place known for labor with pain, yeah, to labor with pain and suffering, and it is actually close to a place known as beauty. I believe God wants to share something with you today, wants to talk to your heart today, to let you know that for some of you, you may be in a place of pain and suffering. You may be in a place where you're travailing. It can be completely to do with your faith. It could be that you're just facing a lot of opposition because of your faith in Jesus. It could be just circumstances in your life. And there's a pain coming with the travailing, with the, the battling through. The, 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 the situation is, is painful. But God wants somebody here to know today that you are closer to beauty than you think. That you're actually closer to coming out of it than you think you are. That actually beauty, the beautiful plan that God has, the, the answers that you're looking for aren't as far away as you think. You see, there's a situation here where there's somebody that's sick and died. And uh, Peter is in a different town. But Peter is going to be used by God to do a work in this situation. Your answers are not as far away as you think. Maybe you're waiting on God. Maybe you're wondering, okay, God, is this, is this ever going to shift? Is this ever going to change? It feels like it's not. But God wants you to know that your answer is not as far away as you think. Just keep hanging in there. Keep trusting in him. God also wants to remind some of you that you were once in Lod. You were once in Lydda. You were once there. You were once in the place where it was painful and they were suffering. And that actually you were travailing and it was painful, the, the journey you were going on. But actually now you're in the place of beauty. And he wants to remind you of that because maybe for some of you, you once were single. Yeah? And you actually once were thinking, man, I'm all, I don't want to be alone. I feel lonely. I feel like... I feel like there's no way out of this, and, 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 and God, like, this is the worst season of my life. Does anyone love me? Is there anybody there? 
You're swiping right, but nothing's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a painful season. But some of you are now sat next to your partner or your husband. Leticia's like, yep. So it's you to swipe right. I get, okay, right. It's being honest. She's honest. <laughs> but some of you are now sat next to someone that you prayed for. But that season that you went through was a hard season. And God wants to remind you of this. And, and the same, some of you were going through some stuff like, for example, um, you may have had an addiction that was so fierce, so powerful that it controlled you. And it stopped you from actually living your life. And as you were trying to break free from it, and you couldn't, you just thought, am I ever going to get out of this? But once you get it, you got it, haven't you? And somewhere down the line, Jesus came into your life. Jesus came into your life. Jesus did a work in you. And that season that you were in, that you just thought, I don't know if I'm ever going to ever stop this thing that I've got, this habit. I don't know, because like, I can't even see myself without it. But now, you're in the place of beauty without it. And God just wants to remind you of that, because sometimes you might be in another season... You might be in another season where you're like, God, this is so hard and what's going on? Is that, and maybe I'm, I should just quit and give up. And God's saying, hang on a minute. You've already been in this place before and I brought you through it. It was an ugly place to be, but now you're in the place of beauty. So even if you're in an ugly place right now, you know that God can get you there. You're, the beautiful plan that God has is not as far away as you think. The, the, the brokenness of your addiction or habit or, or whatever it might have been, that situation that you were going through, that now lo no longer conquers you, controls you. There, you're in a place of beauty. God has brought you to that place. God has done a work in you. But he just wants to remind you because as human beings, we're moaners. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Yeah, yeah. We're moaners. We're moaners, we complain. Even when God does stuff, we're like the Israelites. We can see things right in front of us and go, wow, isn't that amazing what God's doing? And the next one, you'll be like, where is God? Can I get a, yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, I don't want to say that anymore because that's me. But the truth is like, so sometimes just look at where you've come from to see where you are so that even if you're in the next battle, hang on, man, I've already been through one of these. And maybe the, one, the first one was the most fiercest you'll ever face. Because if you're in the pit, you know, the one where you don't know Jesus, that's got to be the worst place to ever be, isn't it? The one where you don't know Jesus, yeah? The darkest place, the one in the pit where you're trying to get out of the mud, but you couldn't, out in your own power, you couldn't get out of it. That has to be the worst place you can be. So yes, we will face difficult moments in the future, but we're going to face them with Jesus. So it can't be that bad. Yeah, but what was worse is we were trying to face life without Jesus. That's got to be rock bottom, isn't it? So if he's brought you out of rock bottom, if he's brought you out of the pit, if he's taking you out of that clay that you couldn't get out yourself and he set you on the rock, if he's done that for you and he's brought you to a place of beauty, and you guys are all beautiful, by the way, yeah? It's all right, yep. Yeah. Amen. Okay, it's got a bit weird now. Okay, so, awkward. Um, uh, <laughs> but, but, if that, but if that is 
if that is where God's brought you to and that's who you are and you can identify with that, then even though you might be travailing again, mm, it's not as bad as where I come from. I was in a pit of despair and darkness that I never thought I'd get out of. And yet here I am, stood on the rock of Jesus Christ. Because if you get it, you got it. Yeah? Praise God. So the reason I want to, and this is for the husbands and the wives in the room maybe, or the people that have just got together maybe, maybe you've got to the point where you're like, man, they do my head in. <laughs> but just before you start getting all cranky with them, remember how it felt when it was ugly and you were lonely and you thought, am I ever going to have someone that's going to get me? Am I ever going to have someone in my life that's just going to, I'm going to share it with? You know what that season looked like. So even though you might be in the season now where you're married or you're getting married or you've just got together, you started dating and you've found someone that you think, wow, like that's that person. If you're single, I'm really sorry. Okay. <laughs> but, you're, but, but it's closer than you think. It's closer than you think. Yeah, it's closer than you think. It's on its way. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, just appreciate that maybe the person on your left or on your right, wherever, you prayed for and God brought to you. Just thank God for that. Remind yourself of that because it was way more uglier than what you're in now. <laughs> that just sounded like, <laughs> that, I just realized what I said. Because it could have been worse because the one you was with before was way uglier. No, I didn't mean that. So. <laughs> Some people are laughing. I just thought I better clarify. That's not what I meant. Okay, I did not mean that. I didn't mean that. Yeah, I just had to clarify. I meant the situation was ugly, people. Okay. But still praise God for their beauty. Okay, let's move on fast. So we're going down the rabbit hole here. <laughs> this is the other lesson. Peter was nearby. This tragic thing had happened. Death. Pretty final usually in most situations. Peter was nearby. Peter. Peter. Has anyone read about Peter? Peter was nearby. That's who they thought of. Peter's nearby. Peter. You know, this guy that was, that sank in the water. Yeah, when he tried to do what Jesus was doing, he sank in the water. You know, the guy that got re reject, um, rejected Jesus. The guy that went back to his old job, even though he knew Jesus had been resurrected, he's like, I, I, I can never be used by God again. That guy, the guy that got actually called, rebuked in, as, as being called Satan by Jesus himself. Yeah, that guy. That's what he's going to, you know, that's some of the headlines he gets. I mean, he did some great things. But we remember those stories, don't we, about Peter. That Peter was nearby. Do you know why? Because once he was in an ugly situation, but now he's in a place of beauty. God had changed his life around. To the point that God had done such a work in him that people said, Peter's nearby. She was dead. And they still believed that Peter could come and do something. How incredible is that? Peter, think about it. If we can understand that the Jesus in us, yes, yeah, not you, never will be, but the Jesus in you can be the difference between life and death 
for someone else? If you're just nearby, how do people see you? Are people going to call you when they're in distress? Are people going to call you when, they, when, they're, when they get a diagnosis of sickness? Do they even know that Jesus can heal them? What kind of thing are you projecting as a Christian, as a follower of Christ? Who are you going to call? Yeah? Are they going to call you? Not the Ghostbusters. It's demonic. <laughs> are they going to call you? Do they even know the power of Christ? Do they even know it's possible? Because they knew, because of what Peter had done already, that he was nearby, the situation was dire, and yet they knew that they could call on him to come and maybe change it. In the name of Jesus. Is someone going to ring you? Do people even know that you follow Jesus? <laughs> the problem, I've got a church that I can't challenge because they're like, yeah, cool, see it. <laughs> you see my Facebook? What kind of witness are we? What kind of people are we? Are we, are we showing the power of God through our lives so that when the situation out there gets really bad, people know where to come? People know where to call. Even if it's like, hang on a minute, there's a church in Bristol, we're in Bath, but I've heard some stuff. Yeah? Or, or I, I know someone that lives over there, but I can get them here to come and pray. Are we that type of people? Will we be that type of people? Can I get a... <laughs> Someone's a bit behind. They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Why two people? What did you say? What did you say, Harry? No, no, you say, can I? Go on. Can I? You say it. Can I? Get a witness. Ready? Okay. That was awful. We'll work on that, Harry. Why two people? Because two people can witness the truth. What is happening? What's going on? That's why there's two. You read it throughout the Bible. God is always pairing people up. He's always putting people in twos. Even when Jesus sent them out, he sent them in twos. He sends people out in twos. There's going to be two witnesses in Revelation. There's two people that will witness. This is why it's so important. Because one, someone might get weak. And the other one can lift them up through their strength. Because we can all get weak, can't we? I don't know about you, but I'm weak when I'm alone. Yeah, so when I'm alone, I'm weak. So if I'm, if I'm on my own on an assignment with God, there's a good chance I might not see it through. But if I'm on an assignment with God and I have someone with me, yeah, I might get weak on the journey, but their strength, their strength of their faith is going to lift me up and vice versa. This is why we need to do things together. This is why we need to have church together. This is why we need to find people in our lives that we can partner with, with our faith. And build that up with one another. And work that with one another. It's not even the Holy Spirit. It's just them. 
Every, every pastor has one. <laughs> I've got two. Oh, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. God gave them two so they can build each other up. <laughs> this is why we need partners. This is why we need to do, if you're with somebody, if you're in a relationship with someone, do they know Jesus? Because if they don't know Jesus or are not on their way to knowing Jesus, you are really going to struggle. If you're looking for your future husband or your future wife, yeah, make sure that the biggest thing that attracts you is Jesus. They may be good looking. That's a good thing to take off, okay? Yeah? But the reality of it is you, you need to be attracted. But the truth of it is the biggest thing that should attract you is Jesus. Because if you don't have that, if you don't have that, you are going to struggle. And this is why God says, let's team up. Get people in twos. Let's get witnesses. Let's do this together. Make sure you adopt the two-witness thing. If you're single right now, okay, find a, a buddy. Find someone to hang out with in your faith. <laughs> of the same sex, okay. <laughs> oh, these guys. That's not a way of dating. <laughs> What's going on, Anne, is this, right? Is the older women are influencing younger women in a negative fashion. No, I'm joking. <laughs> look at it. Look at the example you've set, you two. This is not what scripture meant. <laughs> now they're moaning about me, moaning about them laughing during my sermon. If I had glasses, I'll have John's glasses in a minute. <laughs> Make sure you do things together. Can I get a... Where, where, where's the whoops? Okay, verse 39. When Peter arose and went with them, when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the windows stood... Widows. I said that, I actually read it like that. And I thought, why are the windows stood and weeping? And I realize it's widows. <laughs> I actually read it like that. Someone was like, it's a weird place. And I actually read it wrong straight away. So there you go. It's gone weird. <laughs> We've gone there. We've gone there, Nick. We've gone there. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. This will go get coffee, you know? Whew. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all um, Joppa. And many believed on the Lord. Now, a few years previous, Peter, a disciple of Jesus, witnessed the healing of a girl, which is why we read it at the beginning. Peter was one of the, I think, three disciples that witnessed this with Jesus. Peter followed Jesus for three years before he ended up being um, the one who helped begin the movement, the church, 
that we are part of today. Peter continues in the footsteps of Jesus because he witnessed what was possible. He saw what Jesus did and he heard what Jesus said. And Jesus said things like, go and make disciples. Yeah? He saw the way that Jesus prayed for the sick. He watched. You know, Peter can have a lot of things thrown at him, but one thing we do know is he followed Jesus everywhere. He saw everything that Jesus was doing and everything he was saying. He was a witness to what Jesus was working out. And then Jesus says things like, go make disciples. He also says this in John chapter 14, verse 2. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Peter continues on from where Jesus left off. But why is this movement growing? You know, like, do you know when Jesus says greater works, you are doing these? Uh, people get that wrong and think that means that we're going to do things that Jesus didn't do. I just think it's volume. I think what he's saying is I'm going. So you're going to do way more than I've ever done. The church. You're going to see amazing things happen. And the movement of the church moved so fast at the beginning. Why? Well, Jesus was actually battling. He gave the gospel. He gave the truth. But he was battling with religious people at the time. He was battling with people that were meant to receive it but rejected it. So he had to try and find people that would take on the message to listen, to learn. He had disciples that did that that would take it on. But actually, he was preaching a gospel that nobody understood. Why? Because he hadn't gone to the cross yet. And, he, and we know this because the disciples consistently, the ones that write the Gospels, they say, we didn't get this at the time. We didn't get it at the time. We didn't understand at the time. He said these things, but we didn't understand because Jesus was preaching about his death, his burial. He's like, I'm going to die. They're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, that's great. Let's go heal people. And then like, you know, let's go walk on, let's, can we walk on water again. Let's go do that. That sounds so much fun. But Jesus is like, no, I'm telling you what's coming. I'm telling you what's going to happen. So I believe when he says greater works than these, it's not actually that he, we're going to do more powerful things than Jesus did. It means we're just going to be able to do more because the message can now be received because Jesus actually has gone to the cross. Just in case you get some weirdos come up saying we can be more powerful than Jesus, you can say that's a load of nonsense, okay? Because there will be those people, unfortunately. I found a scripture that says it. No, you just can't read. Jesus says, greater works than you do this because I'm off. I'm going now. That's why. So then Peter starts preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thousands of people will start responding. And the church starts growing. And do you know what's incredible? Is that it happens at Pentecost. Now Pentecost is a festival in Jerusalem. And people from all around the world came to that festival. And what did they get? Jesus. They came for some other religious rule, uh, uh, festival. They came to just go through the process. But when they got there, Peter stands up full of the Holy Spirit and he preaches the truth. And people from all nations hear the gospel and then they go back. That's how the church started. Amazing things happened. 
when God started moving in Peter's life. Peter witnessed Jesus. Peter listened to what Jesus said. Go make disciples. I will do these things. You do it in my name. I, my father will hear you and he will do it. Go. Go do it. So Peter goes and he does it. Peter believes this woman, Tabitha, can be raised from the dead because he's not only witnessed it through Jesus doing it, but he'd been told by Jesus himself to go do it. Can I get a In order for us to do what God wants us to do, to, we must first witness it. Now that can be through scripture. You can read scripture, see that Jesus did it and be like, right. There's a guy called John Wimber. And um, he got saved in a dead church, by the sounds of it. Or he went to a dead church. He got saved. And he went into the church and he read, started reading the Bible. And as he started reading the Bible, he realized it was full of miracles. People stepping out and doing things like Peter. And he went out to the reverend, or the, whoever it was at the time, and he said, I've read the Bible. When do we get to do the stuff? And he said, what stuff? He said, you know, like, pray for the sick, see the saved. People get saved, people set free. And he said, oh, we don't do that stuff here. So he just set up his own church. If you can't witness it, you can read it, can't you? You can read about it. But that's the problem. People can get saved through the word of God because the word of God is ridiculously powerful. You know how powerful the word of God? Very powerful. But the reason that church people struggle with church today is there's no power in it. They don't see the power. And it says that when the word was given, signs and wonders accompanied it. The power of God goes alongside the word of God. Now the problem we've got is we've got churches that are just word of God and nothing else. Or Holy Spirit and nothing else. But they go together. They go together. It's not one or the other. As they preached the word, signs and wonders accompanied them. The power of God was seen. So that, it says, so it backed up the word. Yeah? So the problem is, is the church are telling this amazing story about Jesus, yeah? Because it is an amazing story. Like, you were created, we reject him, he came, he died so you wouldn't have to pay the punishment of sin. It's an incredible story. And if you receive him into your life... Most people, when they hear that, and it talks about, we can talk about the identity that he gives you and, and the eternal um, future he gives you and the rescuing from the pit and from hell and all these things. Are, it's a good story. It's good news. But the problem with the church is when people get saved through the word of God, which people will get saved through the word of God, is if they don't see the power of God, if there's not signs and wonders following, they're going to be like, hang on a minute. Where's, where's the stuff? And that's what has to change in this nation. That's what will change this nation is when people start seeing the word and the works of the Holy Spirit working together. Because the power of God shouldn't be excluded from the church. But for some reason, people are so scared of the power of God because they can't wield it or control it. So they dismiss it and they say, well, we'll just stick with this. This sounds lovely. But it's dead. It just becomes dead. It just becomes words. 
And then the people like me here or whoever become hypocrites. Because we say one thing, like, there's power in the name of Jesus. But really what we're saying is we don't want that power. No, don't do that. That's a bit weird. So you can't have one or the other. They work together. And this is what he witnessed. He witnessed the power of God. He didn't just see the word of God. He literally hung out with the word of God. But he saw the power of God working alongside the word of God. This is why Peter knew it. This is why I've always hung on. And when I chat to people like Anne, like why, why we've hung on, you know, sometimes by being in a church that's not functioning the way it can be is because you know that there is power. There is power. It might not be happening right now, but there should be. How do we get that back? And I think that's why this is a miracle, what God is doing, because we're seeing the power of God accompanying the word of God. And when you've got those two things together, you can change a city. Things can change. Thousands of people can come to Jesus because that's what happened with Peter. He stood up, preached a message, and the power of the Holy Spirit accompanied those words. Thousands were saved and baptized. The church began. We can't operate with God if we do not accept that there is power that goes alongside the word. Verse 43, so it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. Okay, I thought, first of all, when I read this, I thought, oh, that's the kind of thing I would do. I'd go away ministering, and then you go to, like, the, the tanning salon and chill out, get a suntan, get in the spa. I thought, wow, yeah, that's really cool. I've never thought of it. Like, Peter's gone and hanging out, but that's not actually what tanner means. It means he was a leather maker. I was a bit disappointed by that. I thought I had a reason to be like, well, yeah, of course I'm in the, of course I'm in the tanning salon. Peter did it. Leave me alone. Um, yeah, tanner, a tanner was a leather maker. Now, among Jews, tanners were not seen as very, uh, they didn't like them. Tax collectors were disdained by Jews in general because they served Roman Empire, not their God. Um, the tanner's profession was equally disdained by the people of Israel because they dealt with dead animals in urine. It's a bit weird anyway, so yeah, I get it. But it's because they couldn't handle the, the, there's things within their laws that said about dead animals. So Gentiles, this guy is a Gentile, were already seen as unclean, yeah? And then a Gentile tanner was seen as the dirtiest of the dirtiest, yeah? So these guys were quite low. <laughs> this guy, Simon, is quite low on the, uh, on the list of who you would hang out with. And yet it says Peter stayed with him many days. Why? Well, the obvious one is Jesus showed him how to hang out with others, with those that others hated and rejected, like Zacchaeus. That's why we read that story at the beginning. Matthew was a tax collector. He's one of the disciples. Jesus had shown, actually, you, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to go, if you're going to make disciples, uh, you need to understand what it looks like. Jesus gave him the witness. Jesus showed him who he could hang out with. You know, actually to break some of the, the rules that man had created to say, oh, you can't hang out with them because they're unclean. But actually Jesus said, no, no, it's, I'm going to make them clean. Yeah, I'm going to do the work in them. So, so actually we need to go into those places so that we can tell them about Jesus so that they can change. So Jesus started to show this to Peter. So then Peter, who, who is Jewish, yeah, had to change the way he thought, not to align with the way that people would put pressure on him or the society, but to say, well, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? How did Jesus do it? 
So that's the obvious one, yeah? Jesus showed him that, that, that this was, shouldn't be an obstacle to connecting with a person. Jesus showed him and he showed all the disciples that. But the main, the main reason I think Peter stays with Simon, the tanner, is because his name is Simon. And if you don't know this already, Peter, when Jesus first met him, his name was Simon. Jesus changed his name. Peter, formerly known as Simon, worked as a fisherman. This job was seen as low in society and looked down on. Jesus comes to Peter and says, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of man. Now in Matthew 16 verse 17, this is where he changes his name. He says, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for the flesh um, and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now this is interesting because Simon in Greek means flat-nosed. Now, there's only one mention in the Bible of being flat-nosed, and it's in Leviticus 21, verse 18. And it says this. This is basically the, the uh, qualifications or disqualifications for being a priest. For whatsoever, this is in the New King, no, this is in the King James Version, okay? For whatsoever a man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach a blind man or a lame, or he that hath a flat nose. Or anything superfluous, superfluous, something like that. Superfluous, that's it. That's what I meant. <clears throat> yeah, so when you start looking at what can disqualify you, you realize that, Jesus, that he had a name that actually in the Greek meant flat nose. And that wasn't looked down upon too good back in the day. And Jesus says, no, we're going to change that name. So it doesn't disqualify you from being a priest. Jesus says, you will not be known as Simon anymore, but as Peter, which means rock or part of a rock. I'm going to build my church on that rock. Now, I've always wondered what that really means. Because Jesus is the real rock, isn't he? Jesus is, you know, it's Jesus' church. But actually... It's the gospel. Jesus is actually preaching and showing through this passage his gospel. Jesus took a guy that worked a job nobody really recognized or cared about. He chose him. He followed Jesus around, yeah? He copied Jesus. He was a student of Jesus. Peter one day has a revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and Jesus says, only the Father could have given you this. He renames him from Simon, which in my interpretation means disqualified, okay, to Peter, which means I have chosen you to be the one I'm going to begin the church through. It's the gospel of Jesus. Jesus has taken a Simon and made him a Peter. It's the same story many of us have today here, from disqualified to doing it. Can I get a... We were once lost. We're now found. We were once broken. We're now healed. We were heading to hell, but now we have eternal salvation. We was down and out, and Jesus came, and he pulled us out of the mess, and he put us on the rock, and that rock cannot be shaken. 
And this is what Peter is doing right now because he understood the witness of what Jesus was doing. It took him a while to catch hold of it, but it's the gospel. It's the gospel that Jesus would take a life that is labeled a certain thing or is heading in a certain direction or, or has a, a certain, uh, is in a certain mess and he's going to take that life and he's going to turn it around and he's going to change it. And I'm thankful that God changed my name. Yeah? He hasn't really changed it. I haven't depolled it or anything. I just mean that he took me from being somebody that was rejected and, and, and lost to being someone that is found, that is known as a child of God. This is the gospel. This is what God has done for all of us. He's taken us from one place and he's led us to another And I love this story because Simon, the tanner, Peter hangs out with him. The dirtiest of the dirtiest among his own people. Yeah, among the Jews. This is what this guy is seen as. And Peter hangs out with him. He hangs at his house just like Jesus said, I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. And everyone's like, oh. Peter's like, I've seen Jesus do this. It says he hangs out for quite a few days. With the guy that was seen by his own people as the dirtiest of the dirtiest. Because he'd seen Jesus do it. So he was going to do it. He witnessed what Jesus was doing. But also I believe he would have seen Simon. And he would have been like. I was a Simon once too. I was there once too. Jesus came into my life and he changed it. The only way people will see Jesus today, other than him revealing himself personally to them, is through you. The only way they will witness his power, his love, his care, his heart, his truth, is if you actually do it. People don't even know that if they're suffering with cancer, that they could at least come and get prayer and that the name of Jesus could take that away. People don't know it. Because the church doesn't talk about it. The church isn't operating in the power. It's operating in, well, some people are just operating in gathering together, doing their thing and going home. If we've witnessed the power of God, have you witnessed the power of God? I mean, really witness the power of God. Yeah? If you've really witnessed the power of God, what are you doing with that power? I mean it. This word is an important word because there is a world out there that doesn't know Jesus like you know Jesus. You get it, so you've got it, but they haven't got it yet. But if you've experienced the life-changing power of God to set you free from addiction or, or from rejection... Or from, from certain aspects of your life that you never thought that you could ever be healed from. And you are now standing in the place of beauty because of the power of God. That can only be through Jesus. Yeah, you did it your way. You tried the pills. You tried therapy. You tried getting through different things yourself. It never worked until Jesus came into the situation. And then it went. That's the power of God. That's the power of God. Does your friends, your work colleagues, your enemies, 
the people on, in, next, on, your, on your street, do they know the power of God through your life? Are you bold enough to take what you have already received, which most of you have already said, yes, I've had it, and actually administer that into someone else's life? It's a scary thing. But if God's healed you from sickness, are you praying for the sick? Because you know the power of God. Are we doing something with it? Are we doing something with it? Because we have witnessed it, have we not? We don't need to worry about what God's going to do here because if you were here last week, you saw the story. You saw the journey that we've been on. So we don't need to worry about can God do it. Of course he can. We've seen the miracles, the miracles over and over again. But part of um, our journey as a church is not just to be a witness to everyone that comes through these doors, but also to try and see if we can see the church fired up in our nation again to believe that it can be possible to see the power of God in their churches. Because Nick, more than me, is connecting with a lot of people in churches and their biggest struggle is, I don't know what to do. I know it, I don't know what to do. It's the power of God. God's power that was followed, meant that people followed Jesus around. They followed him because they saw the power that went with the words. We can't just say, um, you know, Ben, where's Ben? Ben, is, ben said something this, um, in a leaders meeting recently. He said, look, this is what scripture says. We've got to feed the poor. We've got to take care of those that are struggling. That's part of our remit as followers of Christ. We can't just read it. I can't just preach it. I mean, he did preach it, which is why he's doing something about it. Yeah, because he got up here and he said, this is what we've got to do. And he's like, now I've got to go do it. But we can't just be hypocrites and read the word of God and just leave it there. There is so much in it that we have witnessed the goodness of God in our lives that we've got to do something with it. Peter witnessed Jesus do it. He followed Jesus. And when Jesus had gone and the power of the Holy Spirit came, Peter went on and he carried on doing what Jesus did. That's why I shared those two stories at the beginning. And there are plenty more. Why was he able to pray for Tabitha? Because he's seen Jesus pray for the girl. And he says, she's not, she's not dead, she's asleep. And then Peter come, comes in, he prays for a moment, and then he just lays hands, and they walk out of the room together. Why? Because Jesus had witnessed it. So what would Peter, kind of person would Peter be if he had witnessed the power of God, if he had received the instructions of Jesus to say, go do this too? And then when someone said, we've just, um, um, Tabitha's just died, but you're nearby, why didn't you turn up? And he said, nah. Or, I'll pray for you from here. I'll send you an emoji. If God has done it in your life, he hasn't just done it in your life to set you free. He's done it so that you can take that same power and see it happen in someone else's life. Can I get a... We were all once disqualified, yeah? Not because of Jesus, but because of our own making. We were all once counted out, destined for hell, and we deserved it. Until Jesus turned up. We were all once Simon. But God has got hold of every one of you. 
Can he build his church in and through your life? Is your, his church seen through you? And if it is, keep going. But if it isn't, stop being so selfish with this incredible gift that God has given you. Go do something with it. Go be a witness. Go be a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go do it. Go into your workplace full of boldness. Pray before you go. Someone comes in and they're struggling with sickness. Say, I can pray for you. Not, I will pray for you. I can pray for you right now or on our lunch break or whatever it is. If you really want this, seriously, you want it gone? God can do it. Do you want it gone? Right, let's pray. You want it to change? Let's pray. You want to see change in your life, in someone else's life? They need to get into the power and the presence of God. It's only God that can do this. A well-run church can't save anyone. A well-run church can't heal anyone. A well-run church can't pastor anyone. We can't do it if the power of God isn't with us. It's just our words. It's just our efforts. It's just nothing. If we have the power of God, and I believe as a church we have it, he's here. We see it operating all the time. Lives are being changed. You know this week I got a message from your mom. Do you know this? Yeah? Saying, I've seen my daughter get baptized. And I'm not wearing, I'm lukewarm in my faith. And I need to change. I hope she's okay with me saying this. Yeah. But she says, I want to get baptized. Can I get baptized on Monday? Tomorrow. And she's getting baptized tomorrow, 10.30 in the morning. Now, I'd love to say that we did an amazing program after Taylor got baptized of getting around her mom and then pastoring her so well and putting loads of effort into her life. But God, the power of God, the Holy Spirit has done that work. We can't do anything if God isn't in it. But God is clearly in it. So if God is in it, if God is in what he's doing right now, which we can see he is, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? There's a parable. It's a bit... There's a bit more depth to it, but there's a parable about burying your talent, about burying the power. I believe that that is talking about our salvation because it says at the end when the guy that, um, that buries it and does nothing with it, Jesus says, get away from me, you wicked servant, and there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. It means he did nothing with it. What are we going to do with our salvation? Because it's a free gift that's been given to us. But now there is a world out there that doesn't know him that needs him. And you don't need to be like John and go on the streets. He's doing an incredible job. How many people this week? Yeah, we can have nine people giving their lives to Jesus. Yeah, incredible. And some of them we're trying to pastor and we're trying to connect with. And we're going to hopefully we'll see some of them here. But John's out there doing it. And if you feel called like John is, you go out there. Be a witness with John. Watch him do it. Be a student. Learn to be a student. Everyone wants the piece of the pie. Oh, can I come in and tell you how it works? No, you can't. But you can come and watch how it works here. Be a student. And then we can go and do it together. Be like Peter. Be a student because if you are a student of what God is doing... Yeah, one day God will call you to say, now it's time. If you never choose to be a student, like you're too arrogant with it, like I don't need to learn anything, then God can never call you. Be a student.
Even though I was joking about the young ladies and the old ladies, follow those ladies. Even though they can be a pain in the backside sometimes, those people, they have got a ridiculous knowledge, testimony. They have gone through some really difficult stuff. You want to know how to get through your stuff? Hang out with them. Be students. Be students. Learn. Learn, learn, learn. Be like Peter. Be a witness of what God is doing. Because if you choose to do that now, when God says, I need you to go, you can go because you've chosen to be a witness. Like Peter said, Jesus said, follow me. And Peter said, he let go of everything and followed him. And what did he really do? He messed up along the way. But what happens when you're learning? You make mistakes. Peter was a student. He was, he was entitled to make mistakes. In being a student, that's where we learn when we fall on our face, when we sink in the water, when we say things and we, and then you're like, I wish I could take that back. And Jesus is going to rebuke me and call me Satan. Ah, he did. Yeah. And that's going to be written by John. John's definitely going to write that because they definitely had a rivalry, those two. So he's like, no. (laughs) But we can make mistakes in the training. We can make mistakes in, we can make mistakes afterwards. But but what I'm saying is, it's like, learn. Learn, learn, learn to be a witness so that you can be a witness. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Oh, so I want to encourage you. I'm coming to the end now. But I want to encourage you. I really haven't used my notes much at all. I've just been chatting. Um, If there's anybody here and you just believe, you just believe that you know that God has done a work in you, the power of God, and you know that it's time that that power is seen by others and you've been keeping it in a box and hiding it under the bed and you know it's time to let it all out. It's time to let everyone know that you're a follower of Christ and you just need to have confirmation with somebody like just praying with you or whatever. I'd like to pray with you in a minute. Um, or, or maybe, this is a bit tougher, but you're going to have to be honest with yourself. Maybe you thought that you knew everything. And you just, God's been working on you. It won't just be through this message, it will be before this. And you just know, man, I need to learn some stuff too. And I need to humble myself to learn so I can actually do what I believe God wants me to do. And you just need someone to come and pray with you with that too. Because sometimes, especially if you're older than me, I'm 40-something, four. I don't know. When you're younger, you know your age all the time, don't you? You get badges for a certain point of it. And then your badges run out and you're like, I don't know what I am anymore. So I don't know where I am. But sometimes it can be hard to be um, a student of someone that you're older than, being in faith longer than. And that can be difficult. And I find it really weird having to do that. But sometimes that's something we've got to humble ourselves in too. Equally, for someone like me, I can learn from people that are older than me, older in their faith than me, as well as people that are younger, people that have just come in. The scripture talks about when people get saved, they have a, um, a zeal and an energy. And that, that energy is good to feed those that have been in their faith longer. Because life's hit a bit harder and things have happened. And we're like, is there even a God anymore? Even though we're the ones that maybe pray for them to come to Jesus and stuff like that. you know. But it's their energy, their zeal that we can feed off. So we're all students here. There's no one here that's just the teacher and that's it. Well, Jesus, he can be the teacher. But there's no human being here. That's just the teacher. We're all got to be students and we all got to be learning. And sometimes I have to humble myself and, and get myself back into a place of being a student. And maybe that's something that someone has to do today. So 
this message um, was really important. Do you understand why I wanted you to share now, Tyrone, at the end? Yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah. So Tyrone came up to me in the worship, and he said, I've got this word. He shared it with me. And I said, if you can remember it, could you share it now? So I'm going to get him to share it now because this might be relevant to somebody. But remember, he didn't know this word, and this is what he had. Um, so as we were in worship earlier, I was, um, I was taken into the spirit, and um, I saw this building, I saw the church, I saw the inside of this hall, and I saw the front doors were open, and there were people coming in and going out, and uh, the people that stayed, I felt the Lord say, need to come into maturity, those who remained, because the Lord's done a great work in the church over the last couple of months, and um, yeah, so those who, uh, and, and this could be for veterans, but I, I believe more for um, newcomers, and um, I, I asked the Lord for an analogy, and, and he said, um, I love the Lord's um, uh, uh, in, uh, uh, character and imagination, and, and, and he said that, um, he gave me this, this picture of um, the process of cheese, and um, cheese starts off by being milk, and it goes through this vigorous process of being churned up, and um, over the process of, of becoming, it's, it's you know, a block of cheese that can be eaten. It has to get churned up and cut up and then left and then turned up again. And, um, yeah, I've gone through a few processes of this before in my, uh, in my time. And, um, yeah, I just thought to encourage uh, the, the, the newcomers, um, and even if this is uh, for uh, a veteran, uh, somebody who's been in the faith for a long time, um, don't give up. Uh, get stuck in the word and... Um, you, you might be coming into um, a, a season of, of maturing because in two, um, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, it says we grow from glory to glory. And so we have to go through the wilderness seasons and, and maturing and it gets tough and God can take you from A to B. Um, but if he doesn't do, work the process in us, then we just stay the same. Um, and so, yeah, I, I felt to yeah, just share this to say that... Um, there are this, this more than likely speaks to those who um, have recently joined, but it could be for uh, veterans as well, long-standing um, believers in the faith. So yeah, don't give up. Um, stand on the word of God. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And and actually, when he was telling me, I was thinking also about milk. It talks about milk in the Bible as being what we 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 um, live off of milk when we're early in our faith. But then we have to start eating the meat. We need to start, and and maybe it's getting to that point of just realizing in our faith that we have to. It's time. It's almost like uh, we've had this word as leaders. Almost like we've got to grow up. Like we've got to. It's like we've got to grow up. We've just got to grow up and stop being like there's childish things now. There's not even anything specific, but it's just that mentality of like I've actually got to to step into this thing that God's doing. And, and it's real. It's really real. Like, he's moving, and it's incredible. But we've got to start, stop having just the milk or whatever we're comfortable with. Maybe we stay, stayed on it too long, and now it's like, like God is saying, no, I need you to move into this place. I need you to mature. I need you to mature. And, you, and, you, and actually, he's probably already done the churning and the work. You're just choosing not to be the cheese. You know, it's almost like, can I just unchurn and go back to the milk? And God's like, I'm doing the work. I've already been doing the work. You're just not choosing the assignment. 